Hello, welcome to Local Anaesthetic Podcast. This is your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. Um, my name is Alex, and this is my co-host or compatriot, Rob. Hello. Um, that strange noise was Rob saying hello. Do you want to say that again? Did it sound strange? It did sound strange. Oh. Hello. That's better. Mm. Um, the format of the show, in case you haven't listened to it before, is this. Um, myself and Rob, we report on stories that we found amusing from our local areas, our, our own respective hometowns, I should say. So for myself, that's South East, South East London. It's where I grew up and it's where I still live. Rob also lives in South East London, not far from me, but his original hometown is. Now, I'm going to get this right this week. Oh, Chalford. Yes. In Gloucestershire. Yeah, which is actually... Uh... It has an accolade, actually. It's, apparently, it's, it's the second biggest village in the country. The second biggest village in the country. Um, but, but that's taken me seven episodes to get that. Yeah, that's quite concerning. Yeah. I mean, I thought we had a bit of geography last week where, obviously, we mentioned there's a, a Chelford in, in Cheshire. Yeah, Cheshire. Don't confuse Cheshire. me. Don't confuse me. Oh, sorry. Me. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so that's the format of the show. We can be found... You can download us from a couple of sources. Uh, we have our own webpage at um, local anaesthetic podcast.libsyn.com Libsyn is L-I-B-S-Y-N.com and we will be spelling an anaesthetic properly at the end of the show. We can also be found on iTunes very easily if you just put in local anaesthetic into the search bar or you put in Alex and Rob. You will find our podcast there um, in the podcast links very easily. And if you do download the show and if you do like it, please give us a rating of of five stars if possible. Please also comment um, leave a comment on iTunes, all of that would be most appreciated. And we do also want your email submissions for any stories that you have found in your local area, wherever you live in the world, that you have found amusing. And if you're listening to the show, we would really like your contributions. Because we know that a couple of hundred people have downloaded this show now, and that couple of hundred people, whoever you are, whoever are listening, we really want your emails. Absolutely. I'd also like to say that um, we now have, as I mentioned last week, a Facebook page. Um, you can actually now search for the Facebook page on Google if you type in Local Anesthetic Podcast that. Facebook. Well, actually, yeah, Local Anesthetic Podcast, you'll find it. It's now, I'm happy to say, the first result on Google. Yeah, so we're getting there. We're getting there slowly. Okay, Rob, I'm just going to kick us off with a brief update from last week. Do you yeah. remember the story I told you about with the man who was found living in a hole in Blackheath? Oh, yeah. Um, that we speculated was possibly fictitious and rather like a Bigfoot, because people were talking about a man living in a hole in Blackheath, but nobody had actually seen him. Yes. The problem was is that people were saying, with the Olympics coming up and everything like that that's going to be taking place in this area, it wasn't going to look very good for Lewisham's homeless homelessness policy to have a man living in a hole in Blackheath. He's apparently an, an Iranian man who lives in a hole. Yes. Okay, so a man who has lived in a hole on Blackheath for nearly four years is finally moving on, it's been announced. This was in the news shopper. This month, New Shopper highlighted the plight of the mystery Middle Eastern man who lives on the heath, almost unnoticed all year round. Uh, Ward councillor Chris Maines had raised concerns that, with the arrival of the Olympics nearby, the man should be found somewhere more suitable. A spokesman for Lewisham Council said, The council, along with the police, South London and Maudsley and voluntary agencies have been in discussion with this gentleman for a long time, and until recently all of our offers of accommodation have been declined. However, on March 26th, he agreed to go into temporary accommodation in the borough, and we are now working with him to find the most appropriate permanent housing solution to meet his needs. Why? Why are you saying that? So he's not fictitious? He's not fictitious, no. Well, well, apparently not. Um... The Wall has commented on this and says, So will Lewisham Council, the police, South London and Maudsley and all the voluntary agencies be doing this for every homeless person or just the ones that could show up at the Olympics? (laughs) Which is a very good point. It's a very valid point, yeah, absolutely. And another person said, um, they quoted the fact that they've put him into temporary accommodation and are working with him to find the most appropriate permanent housing solution to meet his needs, to which this person, who's called... Uh, busy mum she has said temporary accommodation so after the Olympics I was popping back in his hole problem solved <laughs> do you reckon they've given like a, a tea crate to live in for the meantime yeah what does temporary accommodation mean exactly he's got a tent yeah he's got a tent and they've, they've basically relocated him to a borough outside of London <laughs> <laughs> most likely <laughs> oh, so that's, that's my, just a brief update no that's nice <clears throat> I, really, I, was, I really thought he was fictitious mm-hmm. but okay um, I must apologise I realised after listening to the podcast last week um I made a big thing about calling the Swinon Advertiser the Swinon. Uh, it was called the Swinon Advertiser, not the Swinon Evening Advertiser. But then read the story and announced that it was from the Swinon Evening Advertiser. You're boring me. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's nobody crazy. else has noticed this, Rob. Yes, but I just think in the interest of continuity, I just want to correct that it is actually the Swindon Advertiser or the Adver 
Or the advert. As I might just call it the advert from yeah, now on. Okay. The advert. So I've got quite a few stories from the advert this week. It seems that uh, the uh, the Stride News and Journal have got more important things to do. Maybe that's because maybe it's because they've been locked down under this new communist state. It could state well be that that's yeah. operating in Stroud. If you don't know what I mean uh, when I say that, please listen to our earlier shows. Yeah. So the first story is from the Swindon Advertiser, and the story is by Dave Wills, I think that's pronounced. Um, and uh, the story is uh, OAPs stamp their feet over a mail hike. Over, oh, oh, now, is this in reference to the fact that first class stamps are going up by yes. some ridiculous price and they're now going to cost, what is it, 60p? But it's not ridiculous. All right, okay, this, this well, is Well, do you know when story. I heard that? I said to myself, I thought a first class stamp cost 29p, so I'm living way back in the past. I mean, I, I, I think I can't remember the last time I actually paid for a stamp. Yeah. But if the post office are trying to put people I, I off. Don't, I don't, don't steal them, by the way, I do pay for them. Yeah, you should clarify that. Yeah. Um, I um, actually, if I'm just going to interject slightly because I've just remembered something with you saying that. I just want to very quickly say this. Oh, okay. Um, um, last week, um, Rob and I recorded a podcast which was uploaded onto iTunes for a period of 24 hours. It has now been taken down. Um, it was uploaded in error um, and contained a, not potentially, a very libelous statement <laughs> about a well-known celebrity. Yeah. Um, it was uploaded in error and that podcast has since been removed. And if it caused any offence to anybody who listened or the person themselves... Um, my sincerest apologies. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't meant to be broadcast, so we apologise for that. Um, and for the two people who actually have that podcast, could you delete it as well? Yeah, we know that there are two people who downloaded that in the short space of time it was up. Yeah. Anyway, back to uh, what were we just talking about? Uh, the OAPs and then the the, the yeah. If the hike. Royal Mail want to put people off sending mail and go out of business, what a way to do it! Well, this is the gist of the story. Okay, sorry. So pensioners and businesses in Swindon have raised concerns over sharp hikes in the cost of sending letters through the Royal Mail, which were announced yesterday. I'm not sure if this was actually yesterday. but um, A first-class stamp will rise in price from 46p to 60p, and a second-class stamp will raise from 36p to 50p to the 30th of April after regulator Ofcom lifted some, um, some price controls. Um, Ofcom stated that the changes need to be made to the, uh, to the price limits because the future of the UK's universal six-day-a-week postal service was at, in brackets, severe risk. Well, it's, surely it's under bigger risk now. Well, absolutely. Um, as people switch to using text, uh, emails and online messaging. I mean, it's a fair point. Also, I, I'd like to just ask, who, who really sends second-class mail? I, I never really understood this concept. Well, I buy a lot of stuff off eBay. One thing that the listener won't know, because we've never mentioned it before, is Rob and I record in a room in my home which is filled from top to toe with Star Wars stuff. I collect Star Wars stuff. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. We should actually take a picture of this and put we, it onto we our website, or at least on the Facebook page. But quite, quite possibly, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Right. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that I get a lot of stuff through from eBay that's second class. I, I have an issue with it. I don't understand why you'd want to send something to the post that's just marginally cheaper and would take about two weeks longer than no, no, would normally. Because it's cheaper. Yeah, okay, fair point. Um, Sherry Walden 90 of Park North said everybody who can stop will stop using the post and the Royal Mail will be down the drain. Who's going to keep paying that amount of money if they can possibly do anything else? Um, a lot of people are already using email, aren't they? I will just do more emails and send fewer letters. I think pensioners will stop, will stop sending letters that they have been hit uh, everywhere else at the moment, so they will send fewer letters. So what I like about that is she's already said that she's capable of using emails. Which I'm surprised by. And I don't think in any way it's unusual. That's great. Good honour. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Or um, an email. Nighty. I mean, my, my dad is, is probably about 30 years younger and he can't even send a text message. Yeah. It goes on, uh, there's more comments by, by the other people of Swindon. Uh, Andrew <coughs> Westwood, a sales sister at uh, Expressions Card Shop in Old Town. Swindon is actually broken up into the new town and the old town. Just to, I've never told this before. The new town and the old town, just sort of, is there, a, is there a difference in the demographic? Are you some sort of yeah. pauper if you live in the old town and you're back in the Middle Ages and the people who live in the new town live in spangly, shiny buildings? Essentially, that's like, no. The old town is, is, I think, I would say more salubrious. It's at the top of the hill. Ah, so it's the other way around. The old yeah. town's where the troughs live. Yeah, and the, the new town was built around the, the road works, so it's more sort of right. Know, okay, the so proletariat. Okay, um, good to understand. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, she said the shop also sold stamps, and customers have already complained about the price hike. She said, "I think it's a big step. I don't mind paying the money if it gets a first-class service, but I don't think it is." Not when letters can take two or three days in the Swindon area. However, um, she did not think it would lead to people sending more e-cards. E well, that's debatable. Um, Nobody wants an e-card. What are you going to get in the future? You're going to get... When this 90-year-old woman turns 100, is she going to get an email telegram from the Queen? 
the cards, people like cards because they can put them up on their mantelpiece, they can put them on their shelf. You can't do that with an e-card. Well, that's what she doesn't say. A lot of older people won't want to send emails, so they will come in and buy their cards. Okay. I don't think 60p is a lot to send a card. That surprises me, coming from you. I mean, I will cut corners where, where cost is involved on numerous occasions. Yeah, so it surprises me, because I think to myself, if I want to send a letter, 60p is a lot to do it. I mean, in America, just because we know we have listeners in America, that's like a dollar to send a, a letter. That's a lot. But it's nice receiving a card. Yeah, but 60p is a lot. That's a huge price hike. It's like 30%. <clears throat> that's true and I suppose with the, with the, say the Royal Mail at the moment it's not exactly uh, justified what I'm saying is if you're Royal Mail and you're losing customers and there's severe risk that you're going to go out of business I understand that they need to raise margins but surely doing this and putting people off sending mail is the, <laughs> is the way to do it is yeah. not the way to do it I'm I mean, not sure what is the way to do it it, does, it. Just, it also says I mean Ofcom said that it says about the, the future of the UK's universal six day a week postal service where are the, in the UK receives a six-day-a-week postal service? Everywhere, Monday to Saturday. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, six days. It doesn't include something, does it? No. No. Okay. So, this, so now we've exposed that you're not aware that there's of, of, <laughs> of, of the mechanics of a seven-day week. <laughs> you don't know that a human is a mammal, and you don't know that the week has seven days in it. I do now know that this isn't the 22nd century. I've been watching some Buck Rogers. Is Buck Rogers in the 22nd century? That is the 22nd century, isn't it? No, it's Buck Rogers in the 20... I think it... Is it Buck Rogers in the 21st century? I'm pretty sure. Right. Buck, Buck Rogers... Oh, no, it's Buck Rogers in the 25th century. I've just looked <laughs> it up. Wow. Ran for two seasons, apparently. I was like Buck Rogers. That little, that little robot went... Bidi, bidi, bidi. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've got a story here, Rob, that's kind of connected to the last one I told you about the man in the hole. I actually had this one last week, but I didn't have the chance to read it out. I do love this. And it's by Mark Chandler. It was in the New Shopper, and this was on the 12th of March. It was actually some time ago, but I meant to report it a while ago. But it's worth hearing. Okay. Eltham MP Clive Efford blasts Olympic missile plans for Blackheath and Oxley's Wood. What? Plans to blast terrorists out of the sky above Greenwich during the Olympics have been attacked by an MP who says he was not consulted. The Ministry of Defence is proposing placing batteries of surface-to-air missiles near Oxleyswood Cafe, near Oxleyswood Cafe in Shooters Hill, and on Blackheath during the games. And this is one of the things. When I've been reading you the stories about the man living in a hole, I've been omitting this detail. The reason a lot of people have been complaining is saying, "How can you have a man living in a hole in this area where there's going to be surface-to-air missiles?" But Eltham MP Clive Efford is furious that he was not warned, and is particularly concerned about Oxleys, a vast area of protected woodland and home to rare plant species, including the corky-fruited water dropwort. He said, <laughs> so, "Sorry, the what? The corky-fruited water dropwort." It's rare, Rob. Yeah, it sounds That's why you've not heard of it. Yeah. He said, Many of the plants in and around the woodland only thrive in soil that's been there for centuries. My main beef is that I've not been consulted about this prior to it happening. I'm not opposed in principle to ensuring we've got proper security arrangements for the Olympics. The MP who is writing to Defence Secretary Philip Hammond said another major concern with the missile's short range, just 10 miles. He said they'd only be a last line of defence, but the range suggests whatever they chewed down is likely to come down in a densely populated area. <laughs> A Ministry of Defence spokesman said the defence systems would be used alongside jets and helicopters to protect the skies above London. This says then, on, on next to this cafe and on Blackheath itself, there will be surface-to-air missiles and a large military presence all the way through the Olympics. First of all, I mean, is there no possible way they can include this in some sort of Olympic sport? I, I would love to watch... I mean, I would, well, I would like, pay to watch that. What, 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 a terrorist shooting with missile games? Yeah, with ground terror with missiles. Maybe with... The, the, uh, obviously, the, the, the aim of the sport is to is to get the the trajectory. Would they be real real um, terrorists, or would they be clay terrorists that you throw up into the air? Uh, real terrorists. So you just shoot them out of a cannon, and then you've got a real suspected terrorists. Suspected terrorists. Yeah. So get the ones the from Guantanamo Bay in. Yep. Yep. Fire them into the sky. Give them a micro light. This is a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I would I I would seriously pay to watch that. And also. I mean, I'm not. Do you know? Do we, do we know what Olympic sport is taking place in Blackheath? Well, because I think anything like this would just completely overshadow it. I mean, I, I would say if I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on in Blackheath. I'm not going to try and pretend I do, but I do think that if uh, a ground ground missile was fired, my attention would be drawn drawn towards that and whatever that was being fired at. There were some comments on this, Rob. 
Um, you Know Listen says, Airplanes have been the terrorist choice of target for decades. The authorities will be vigilant for suspected hijacked planes. However, how will they defend against a suicide pilot? The first they will know about such an attack will be less than 60 seconds before impact. The only sure defence is an air exclusion zone. They're taking this seriously. That's wise point, yeah. Um, the next commenter, The Wall, again, oh, yeah. says, Planning something, are we? <laughs> So he's basically accusing him of being a terrorist. Yes. Right. Cookster, we had Cookster last week, didn't yes. we? said, basically the MP has got the hump because he's realised he's not important enough to be consulted on matters of national security. Interesting point. <laughs> okay. And Gpo 11 who seems to be oh, commenting God, yeah. on an increasing amount of articles, said, oh no, not the corky fruited water drop <laughs> How very dare they indeed. I better watch when my dogs piss next time I'm in Oculus. <laughs> in all seriousness, whatever they shoot up, and if it hits its target, it has to come down. Guess where? And uh, just a warning, there is a racist comment coming up because he says, guess where? With any luck, it will be Essex or Upton, Pakistan, though. Which is a play on words. There's a place in London called Upton Park, which he's alleging is, has a lot of Pakistani people in it, and so he's uh, putting the two... Is there not moderator on this side? <laughs> there don't appear to be any moderators on the new shopper, no. I'm going co- I'm so to have to start commenting. I'm going to start commenting under a pseudonym. What racist comments? Yeah. See what you can get away with. Do you know what? That isn't actually a bad idea for us to start commenting on the new shop. I know we don't want to sabotage. No, because I think we'd be sabotaging our own stories. Biting Although the we hand. We could be spicing them up. Biting the hand that feeds us. <laughs> yeah. um, follow-up story by Mark Chandler again. Okay. A week later, Blackheath Olympic missile plan branded, in quotes, crazy. The subject was the number one topic at the Blackheath Assembly last week, where Met Police and Ministry officials were invited along to field questions, and the debate has continued to rage. During the assembly meeting, it emerged the rapier system would be based outside Holly Hedge House, within yards of expensive Blackheath homes. Nice. If it goes ahead, the area, one of six proposed sites in the capital, poised for a last line of defence against any terrorist attack, will be fenced off and guarded by unarmed military police. Jesus. But Geoffrey Bull, 47, of Blackheath Village, was unimpressed, saying, It's madness, isn't it? It's crazy. Complete overkill. This is an open space that people enjoy every day. It's not an army base. And the Ministry of Defence said local authorities are being consulted and no final decision has been made on the missile's location. Can I just ask, does this give me free licence to launch homemade missiles and then claim I thought there was, there was an impending terrorist attack? Because I have got a few already made prior to this. Um, the next story uh, is again from the advert. Um, the story is by Emma Dunn. I think there's two stories from her this week. Um, the headline is, please give me my precious necklace. Oh, sorry, please give back my precious necklace. Please give back my precious necklace. Yeah, it is that kind of story. Okay. Um, a woman whose bag was taken off, she left it in town gardens in Old Town, is urging people to keep an eye out for her jewellery. Oh, this is in Old Town, so this is a swanky pass. It's a swanky pass. If, 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 if such a place exists, yeah. <laughs> Claire Haynes, 31, of Tor Hill, put, a down, uh, put her bag down in the sunken garden to take her three-year-old son to the toilet last Monday, but when she went back, it had gone. Oh, sorry. I'm stopping you right there. I know. <laughs> I mean, Old Town must be very safe if she thought, I can leave my bag in an open space while I go with my thumbs to the toilet. That's exactly what I thought. When I read the story, I thought... Idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Why on earth? Well, that's because you and I come from London and South East London, (laughs) where, you know, you don't even take your wallet out, let's be honest. No. um, I've given up carrying money. Yeah. That's Um, because you don't have any. Yeah, that's true. And also, I've just get quite adept at petty theft. Um, Maybe she thought, because it was a sunken garden, it was out 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 of view... Can I ask you, it says she lives on Tall Hill. Yes. Is it, do you know that area? No, I, I don't know where Tall Hill is now. It's presumably idea. just a Tall Hill. And it's been no, named Tor, literally. T-A-W. Oh, Tall Hill. <laughs> no, Tall Hill would be a, a, a far better place. Yeah, Tall yeah. Hill, yeah, okay. It was later handed to Nationwide in the town centre because her Nationwide passbook was in the bag. But a necklace and bracelet, which had a, a children's fingerprints and handprints printed on them, had been taken out, as well as a purse and mobile phone. What does it mean, their fingerprints and handprints printed on them? Do you mean... It seems... Well, it goes on to say. Um, the main thing was the necklace and the bracelet, which my children gave for my 30th birthday, she said. I wasn't worried about the purse or phone. I wasn't bothered about the other stuff. The bracelet had flowers on, and the handprints of Ruby and Oscar, her two children, on the back, and a message saying, Happy 30th birthday. Hang on a minute, Rob. Hang on a minute. A necklace? What size necklace was this? A handprint <laughs> is huge. Yeah, I, I, I don't really understand. And if they're, and if they're tiny handprints, because they were basically very small children, in either case, these, the stones of this necklace would have to be enormous still to fit a child's handprint on it. They didn't give you the necklace. <laughs> the, 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 the husband or the partner bought it for, on behalf of them and gave it to you from them. They didn't give it to you. 
They didn't go out to the shop and say, oh, we want that for mummy. <laughs> and it, um, it, just, just to finish off the story, it says, um, Claire, who was a mobile hairdresser. A mobile hairdresser? Yeah, she cuts hair at speed. Um, Hang on, I, look, as in M-O-B-I-L-E? Yeah. Surely every hairdresser's mobile. If they were paralysed, they'd be no good. <laughs> Are you the there's a load of para- paraplegic hairdressers? Not paraplegic, that, that wouldn't work. There's probably a lot of paralytic... probably a lot of people who are paralytic who aspire to be hairdressers. I want to know what a mobile hairdresser is. I think no, it's I, I somebody... know what, no, a mobile hairdresser is someone who goes around to your house. What? Well, why? Why can't you go to the hairdresser yourself? Is it for people who are paralysed? Who can't leave the house? <laughs> so the, per- so the, ca- the person who needs a haircut is paralysed, not the hairdresser. They're at home, they can't move. They get somebody to call up the hairdresser. It's not, for, it's not for a hairdresser with paraplegics who can't leave the house. Basically, a mobile hairdresser, you call them up and say, can I make an appointment? And the hairdresser will come to your house to do your hair. It's just I've never heard of that. Does that happen really? in London? Does yes. that happen in London? Why? Why can't you go to the hairdresser? People have got so lazy... Have you, have you genuinely never heard of this? No. You, please tell me you're not Googling mobile hairdresser. Why would you need to look? Whether you're looking for a hairdresser or visit your home, home hairdresser can help you. Why would you need them to visit your home? Because you can't be bothered to leave the house anymore. People haven't got the time to go to the hairdresser. They haven't got time to make chit-chat and talk about the holidays. Well, they'll have to do that with the hairdresser when they come around. Well, no, I think if they're in, the, in your own house, you can just you can, you can stipulate to say, look, look, I'm not interested in your, 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 your petty band, so let's just get on with the hair, okay? Agreed, okay. You're here for a reason, just get on with I it. Can't believe that you, I can't believe that you can't believe that I've never heard of a mobile hairdresser. I mean, there's weirder things in the world. I know you're talking to a man who thought we were in the 22nd century, but that's not uncommon. <laughs> I think in, in the area which I live, it's probably uncommon, uncommon. Yeah. I've never heard of it. You're too middle class, that's the problem. Well, no, if I was middle class, surely I would be having a mobile hairdresser, wouldn't I? That's the sort of thing... People with money would do, isn't it? But no, sure people with money go to very high-class salons where they can have a cup of coffee, share some high-class banter, maybe about the latest Rothko exhibition. Who? Doesn't matter. Move on. Man hurt after being pushed through hairdresser window in Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to start the headlines nice, and I knew you'd enjoy it. Nice By Robert Fisk. Right. Officers are investigating after a man was pushed through a hairdresser's window in a seemingly unprovoked attack. This is the only sort of thing that can happen in South East London, by mm. the way. The 20-year-old was walking along station approach Hayes with his girlfriend about 2.20 yesterday when he was approached by a black youth. The youth asked him what he was looking at, so it would have been like, what are you looking at, before pushing him through the window of master cutters and running off towards the train station. Emergency services were called to the scene and the victim was taken to the Princess Royal University Hospital, Farnborough, suffering from cuts to his hands and forearms, which needed stitches. Comments? The wall says, nice. well, that was a close shave, which I think might be a reference. I think that could, be a, that could be a pun there, yeah. This suspect should be round up and sent back to where he come from. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've got, you got a story. Yeah, this, uh, I may not go... I, I looked at this and... This may not be that funny, but I, I just thought we should include it. It's, another, it's yet another story from the Swindon Adver. Um, the journalist is Barry Hudson. And uh, the story is, Mini trains are model example of 3D art. Mi- mi- mini trains are model example of 3D art. Yeah, I think they tried to go for a pun there, but obviously they couldn't use the word model twice. So no. they went for mini trains. Oh, People sometimes ask um, rail modellers why they spend countless thousands of hours creating miniature landscapes and running miniature trains over them. Yeah. If you think about it, that's a bit of a silly question. Is it? Why? (laughs) And then he goes on to say, and maybe a bit rude. (laughs) After all, hardly anybody buttons hold a painter or sculptor and demands, Oi! Why'd you bother? (laughs) Not unless the the painter or sculptor in question is a Turner Prize nominee anyway. I asked a Swindon Mono Railway Club uh, club member, Ian Burbridge. The Swindon Mono... Mono... Model. <laughs> no, model Railway uh, member. I think it's a uh, Burdage. I think that's how you pronounce it. Though. Um, and he told me, it's like a 3D pacing with a central focus point that moves. You need to know... <laughs> this, is, this story is fascinating. You need to like, know a little bit about woodworking, about pacing and electrics. You need to be able to appreciate what you see in the countryside and what you see around you if you're going to recreate it. There's research to do as well. This story was classed as news on the Swindon Adver website. The entire story is about this um, Swindon Model Railway Club. Model Railway Club. Yeah. The Swindon Club was founded in, in, in 1953. So it's been going for over 50 years. Wow. 
and met for many years in rooms beneath railway arches in London Road before moving to its base at the Tadpole Lane headquarters of the Swindon and Crick Road Railway. <laughs> there are currently eight members. Eight? <laughs> eight? That's pathetic. And it's been 50 years. I'm sure some of them probably died by now. <laughs> uh, there are currently eight members who meet to poor skills, swap friendly banter, and in some cases create layouts that are too ambitious to be kept in normal-sized houses. <laughs> uh, another member who has looked to the other side of the Atlantic for inspiration, is Alf Shaw from Churchward. A dad and granddad whose career saw him tackle everything from bar management to assembling Harry and Tornado undercarriages at Ple- uh, Pleasant. Undercarriages of, of, of jet aircraft. Yeah. Um, age 81, with the, the energy of someone a good couple of decades younger, he's been a model railway enthusiast since building a layout for his infant son, who is now 54. His infant son, who's now 54. <laughs> yeah. What a great line. Yeah. His main layout is an astonishingly detailed rendering of a Californian logging station. A Actually, Californian logging station? Sorry, Canadian logging station. Where your dad process. works? <laughs> yeah. Um, my dad's actually a figure on this, uh, on this layout. Workers are centimetre high on Torium Forest and load railway wagons with timber while horses graze in a paddock overlooking the scene. It keeps you young, this does, he said. It keeps you mentally active. You learn as you go along. I just thought that was a lovely story. So basically, this is a slow news week and they've had this story in the drawer for a long time. It's not, it's not their anniversary. No. Nothing has happened regarding Thrower Club. It's just decided, oh, I'm just going to do a story on this. Oh, it's close to running over 50 years. This has got a proud yeah, heritage. It's not like, They've got eight members. But it's not like it's their 60th anniversary. There's no marker that why, why this story is being reported. He's, he's, he's made an astonishingly detailed rendering of a, of a Canadian logging station. Doesn't that fascinate you? I mean, these people have spent hours and hundreds and hundreds of hours working on these... Model railways in a room by themselves um, with no discernible life outside it. Do you think that when these eight members get together, there must have been in the 50 year history of this club some real disputes? Oh, I'd love that. I'd love to imagine. Trains being thrown across rooms, ca- uh, like tracks being broken up, trees being ripped out and thrown <laughs> across the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're on my, your train's on my track again! <laughs> this is my layout! I'd, I, yeah, I'd love to believe that was the case. <laughs> Okay, this is my next story, Rob. It's by David Mills. Orpington shop owner tired of walking the pigeon poo line. A shop owner has spoken of his disgust and frustration on an ongoing pigeon problem that is blighting his business. Dead baby pigeons, including a fetus and large amounts of pigeon poo, are causing untold misery for Adrian Graves, who runs Fiesta Kitchens in Leith Hill, Orpington. Mr Graves, 36, says the problem is caused by a lack of netting on the three-storey flats above to stop the pigeons roosting. He claims the matter was first raised with Council Association Affinity Sutton in January last year, but it's only recently that the situation has worsened. The final straw came when Mr Graves arrived at work to be greeted by the horrible experience, in quotes, of four dead baby pigeons (laughs) on the shop doorstep, including a fetus. Mr Gray said the problem has got so bad that there is constant pigeon poo outside our showrooms, which looks terrible. More recently, there has been a dead bird hanging from one of the flats <laughs> that has only this morning been removed. Nice. We are in a situation now where we are still subjected to crossing a line of pigeon poo to get into our showroom every day. There are broken eggs on the ground from pigeons' nests and also big clumps of poo. The whole thing is really disgusting. Mr Graves believes the mess is affecting his business. He says everybody coming down can see it. It's absolutely revolting. I'm out there sweeping it up as much as I can. Mr Graves says that since the fetus incident... Um, Affinity Sutton. Fetus incident. Affinity Sutton. Good name for a band, that. Yeah, Affinity Sutton, it is actually. Yeah. No, a fetus incident. I thought so, yeah. uh, Affinity Sutton took more interest and they said the netting would be put up, but he's still waiting for it to be resolved. It sounds like a bloody. It's not, this isn't normal, just pigeons crapping everywhere. Why are there dead birds falling out of the sky and, and eggs and uh, birds hanging? Something about this, this show is clearly attracting pigeons to his. You always, with all these stories, you always accuse the victim. It's always got to be it's something to do with this showroom. He's doing something right, that's okay. attracting the pigeons. Okay, let's let's look at this. We're in, a, we're in a period of recession, or well, at least we were. I think we're close to going back into it. We are. Well, I think yeah. some people. Yeah, we are in a period of recession. Yeah. He's selling kitchens at the very dubious Fiesta. Ki- I don't understand what the correlation between those two words. But what does fiesta mean? Let me look it up. It's a fiesta. Spanish word. Yeah, isn't it? it means like like celebration, like a party, isn't it? Oh, Celebrate good times. Come on. Please don't cut that. Um. <laughs> Fiesta um, means a holiday or festivity. So he's saying holiday kitchens. 
Festive, festivity kitchens. It's right. Holiday kitchen sounds like something to me that isn't, isn't going to particularly last that long. Right, okay. It's good initially, but then it slowly starts. So, what's the connection? You're saying he runs a shit I'm saying shop. people are. But he's critic- struggling in the fight. And in people are putting crisis. dead fetuses on his, on, his, no. on, on his doorway as a reflection to, as a review of his kitchen. <laughs> no, I'm saying he Just needs. driving past and throwing out dead fetuses <laughs> out of car windows. No, I'm saying that he needs publicity for his showroom. So he's he's given this story to the to the What's not publicity Come along and tread over dead fetuses and bird crap. All publicity is good publicity. You're right. You're right. This is what he's doing. Well, hang on. He's put them there. We need publicity. Where would you get a pigeon fetus from? We would it feed things dropped out of the sky from where these pigeons are roosting? Bollocks, he bought it. Well, Rob, can I ask you? You said to me that all publicity, all publicity is good publicity. We need publicity for this podcast. Yeah. Will you do something bad, negative, to gain publicity for the podcast? Could you? Um, expose yourself on an alleyway to some unsuspecting person. Could you do that? And then, when it's reported in the news shopper, just make sure that one of the things you say to police is, listen to local anaesthetic, and, and they can say that all the man kept ranting. Could I not have some sort of rudimentary, I don't know, sock with the local anaesthetic podcast covering <laughs> my genitalia? Brilliant. Yeah. I think you'd still get arrested. <laughs> so are, um, we, are we agreeing to that then? Yeah, is I, that I would do that, yeah. You are going for, you commit this week to exposing yourself to somebody wearing a sock a, a sock over your private part with local anaesthetic printed on it. Yeah. I'm also willing to use my homemade missiles in some sort of uh, grand endeavour to try and advertise the podcast. Yeah. If yeah. you could just make sure whatever whatever atrocity you commit, there is a card left at the scene with local anaesthetic written on it. <laughs> um, okay, next story is yet again from the Swindon Advertiser. It's um, all right. They have been busy this week. Um, it's Emma Dunn once again. Emma Dunn? Yeah. And the headline is, Burnt Out Business Owner in Plea for Help. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, oh. a, a woman who saw her dreams of running a takeaway go up in smoke last year is asking people across the town to help her get her business back on track. Is it called Fiesta Takeaway? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I think this is her name. Mar Me Hartwell. Mar hyphen me. Hartwell, who ran the Mars van in Moray Road. Mars? No, Mars. M- oh, Mamas. Mamas van. Mamas van. Mamas van. Mamas van, yeah. In uh, Moray Road, Elgin Industrial Estate, has been trying to restart her business ever since it was gutted in a suspected arson attack in November. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're great laughing. Um, <laughs> the 53-year-old could lose her house the next few months if she's not get up and running again. Everything is falling apart around me. <laughs> I will end up homeless if I, if I can't get my business back up, she said. I don't know where to turn or what to do next. I need someone who could either donate a van or help me financially because in two or three months they, they will repossess the house. I shouldn't be... Why am I laughing at this? Well, I don't know. Why are you reporting me? You obviously found it funny. Yeah. Um, the next quote is, it's just destroyed my life. Um, fire crews were alerted the, bra- the blaze at 2.20 on November the 16th and police classed the incident as criminal damage. I am faced with a bank repossessing my house soon, which will result in personal bankruptcy because I bought the house just before the recession. I just introduced new food. I was cooking roast pork with crackling and applesauce, homemade lasagna and cottage pie. <laughs> Why have you reported this poor story of this desperate woman like this? Right. What's funny about it's this? It's not. It's, I'm, I apologise. It is a very tragic story. It, it, it's, tra- it's tragically funny. This poor woman opens up a takeaway. It's firebombed. It's, it's, it's the opening sentence. A woman who saw her dreams of running a takeaway van. That's what it is. Her dream is to run a takeaway van <laughs> in an industrial state. <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't sound very appealing. This van parked in, in an industrial estate. Who, who goes to industrial estates? Well, clearly she's been parking there for the workers to come out at lunchtime. And to be fair to her, I mean, I have to say... So why somebody firebombed it? <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, as, as takeaway vans go, um, cooking roast pork with crackling apple sauce, homemade lasagna and cottage pie... Max, do you think it was a critique on the food? <laughs> because I have to say, the owner of Fiesta Kitchen, she counts lucky stars he's only getting dead fetuses lobbed at his window. <laughs> but it does say that someone has deliberately targeted this, this takeaway van, which I, I do feel generally sorry for. I feel generally sorry for it, but there's also part of me that can't help but just visualise her turning up in the morning you know to turn up to work and just finding her van burnt out I mean what out just like plastic plates and the cutlery just screwed all over the floor yeah and they're just breaking down so her dream was to open up a takeaway van in an industrial park yeah what's your what's what's your dream 
Well, what was your dream when you were younger? Did you, did you ever dream um, to such aspire to such giddy heights? I don't know what I don't know why. What did I used to dream of when I was a child? I think I was I always fancied being an engine driver. Um, you just dreamed about somebody unlocking the cage, mainly. And one day I'd hope to have my own my own um, slice of bread. An engine driver. Well, what the hell is an engine driver? Do you mean a railway driver? No, an engine. Uh, What's an engine? An engine is in things. Talk sense. <laughs> right. Okay. People who live in Swindon yeah. know that it's a railway town. Okay. My family heritage, my dad's side, they all worked in the in the in the, in the works. Apart from your father, who broke away to become a lumberjack. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that, that the black was, sheep of the family. Yeah, that really upset my grandfather. Yeah. Um, What's an engine driver? I don't know. Right. You, if you think of steam engine, that's what it is. An engine driver. I you think used to want to be an engine driver. Yeah. You sound like you're from the 1800s. <laughs> Okay, um, Rob, this story is kind of related thematically, I guess, to yours a bit. To my um, engine driver story? Uh, no, to your... That wasn't a story, that was your dream. Oh, yeah. And you, well, one day you will make it. Um, Mottingham's Fairy Hill Park group will fight back against thefts after third burglary in eight months. <laughs> oh, no. By no, Mark okay. Chandler. And it's the same thing. This is actually a tragic story, but it's just so tragic that I found it vaguely amusing. Volunteers who spent years working on a forgotten park say they will not let the thieves who stole all their equipment beat them. <laughs> For five years, the friends of Fairy Hill Park have been working almost every... I know, almost every week to bring Mottingham's hidden gem back to its best. But June Hurst from the group says she felt devastated when heartless thieves swiped all their tools and equipment a week ago. The theft comes just as they were recovering from two break-ins over one fortnight last July, which saw parts of their building vandalised Items stolen and led to the cancellation of their summer fair. Oh. So I love that. The theft comes just as they were recovering from two breakings over one corner. <laughs> it's like the guy who had the chickens beheaded after having a stroke. Right. Let's go back. This is quite reminiscent of Eagle Heights. Three burglaries. Yeah. They are being targeted. Can I just finish and then you can start up with your, <laughs> with your theory that the people are to blame again. In the latest incident, volunteers left a host of new tools temporarily in their office after using them to plant 100 trees in a Woodland Trust project. Miss Hurst said, We'd left everything there on the Saturday, thinking we'd take it all home on the Thursday. We never gave it a thought. She said, When I opened the office up on Thursday, everything had gone. All of it. Items taken included a generator, a lawnmower, a brand new ladder, spades, electrical cable, even drinks and a flask. (laughs) (laughs) Someone stole their flask. (laughs) It's really quite tragic. You can imagine them like looking through everything, is that gone, is that gone then? It's a flask there, that's even been taken, oh god! But then there is, there's definitely a scale there. They start with a generator, yeah. then maybe they're, they're, they're into the ladder, shovels, then it's going down, and then it's just the even drinks and flasks. It's, it's the opposite of the graduation. I like the idea this was like, since like stolen a half-drunken bottle of water. <laughs> yeah, just everything. Sadly for the group, their building is still listed for demolition, and so cannot be insured. <laughs> oh, so no! The building, the building they're working out of, they couldn't insure it to insure all this stuff because it's listed for demolition. Mrs Hurst said after all the hard work our volunteers have done week after week when this sort of thing happens of course you can get upset but we're not depressed we're not down we're not beaten she added it's a lesson learned too we won't keep anything new in there ever again to donate equipment or to volunteer which works at the park every Thursday email and here's the email the friends host their family Easter egg hunt on April 7th from 2pm to 4pm so you could go down there and lick a few Easter eggs if you're interested. <laughs> Can I just ask though? They say that this was already a forgotten garden. The building is 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 earmarked for demolition. Yeah. Why are they bothering? <laughs> right, there's that. <laughs> is that really unfair to say? Well, no. But you said you think they're being targeted, which obviously they seem to be. Yeah, and also, like I say, did they leave all their equipment in a, in a sunken garden? <laughs> so it was well. From view. Can I just say on that point? This is the thing which I kind of want to pick up on, and I'd like you to to notice as well. Listen to these few sentences. In the latest incident, Mm. so the latest of many incidents of theft, volunteers left a host of new tools 
temporarily in their office after using them to plant a hundred trees in a woodland trust project. Which, by the way, somebody probably came along and cut down. Miss <laughs> yeah. Hurst said, We'd left everything there on Saturday, thinking we'd take it all home on Thursday. We never gave it a thought. We opened it up on Thursday and everything had gone, all of it. If this is the latest incident in a series of many thefts, why would you leave all of your new tools from Saturday to Thursday in a building listed for demolishment and say, we never gave it a thought? <laughs> if I come home and my house gets continually burgled, I don't just leave all my stuff there, go away with the door unlocked and go, yeah, I never gave it a thought. I can't believe somebody's done it again. <laughs> How does this keep happening? Yeah. Do you think it's fairies? Because this is Fairy Hill Park. It must be called that for a reason. Are fairies... Is, is, is there a gang of fairies. malicious fairies? And by fairies, I mean fairies in the mythical sense. Oh, right, OK. Like fairies, elves, goblins, I thought midgets. you meant it in the, in, the, uh, in, in the war sense. Sorry, dwarves. I meant to say dwarves. Yeah, you can't say midgets. Can you say... No, you can't say midgets. Yeah, but... Mid- mid- height impaired. Midgets have got nothing to do, Rob, with mythological characters. They have. They're, all, they're, they're in loads of those films. Uh, yeah, and they played a lot of Ewoks. Yeah, and also C-P-P- uh, C-3PO. You idiot. R2-D2. No, R2-D2. Sorry, I do apologise. Played by Kenny Baker. We're back to the Star Wars Doctor theme. Who? Who also Doctor went... boodly boodly boo But Rob, this, uh, Rob, this story here is in no way... Uh, obviously, I didn't know that you were going to talk about model railways. Right. And I had a story to read you out last week, which I didn't get the chance to, because okay. you remember you picked the numbers. So it was yeah, just yeah, random. yeah, Okay. Crayford collector Terry Johnson brands lost models compensation an insult, in quotes. <laughs> it's by Alan Woods. It's in the new shop. Oh, good. Okay. Can I just show you a picture of this, this uh, man who collects... I think it's model trains. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? What do you mean, why am I laughing? Do you want to describe the man? For those who have ever seen Star Wars, um, there's a certain... If, if you know... Um, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> I was thinking... It, I, was, I was trying to avoid saying it and just saying who, who Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon from. Okay. But <laughs> Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon from Lando in a bet, we discovered. It's nothing to do with uh, Jabba. Oh, is it not? Now, Jabba gets him to spug, smuggle... Some shipment right, and Han Solo drops it and, ha- and Jabba the Hutt is after him for it. This is going off on a detour. I should never uh, try and enter should... into any Star Wars based <laughs> trivia with you. I no. don't know why I do this. No. Okay, here's the story. A collector who lost thousands of pounds worth of transport models in a shed clearance has branded a compensation offer of £100 an insult. Disabled Terry Johnson, aged 64, of St. Paulinus Court in Crayford, was devastated when his model collection was destroyed in September last year. He says, London and Quadrant Housing Association, the Housing Association's already getting it in the neck this week, which owns a communal shed, emptied it without informing him. New Shop reporting in October how cerebral palsy sufferer Mr. Johnson, do you regret calling him Jabba the Hutt now, Rob? Technically, I didn't call him that was storing the models in the shed while his flat was decorated. Five months later, the Housing Association has offered Mr Johnson £100 <laughs> and repairs to his bathroom in compensation. Yeah. That's probably more than £100. Mr Johnson, a retired paper salesman, said, I've turned down the... So mu- pa- retired paper salesman. <laughs> Do you think that means... Did that was that A4 paper? He came up to your house going, hey, you want some paper? I love Got A5, A4, A1. Got any A3? No, we like that. <laughs> it needs to turn up with a briefcase. and stuff. Tissue paper. <laughs> card? No, just paper. I don't need paper. I'd love if he was a travelling year paper salesman. Literally went around knocking people's doors. 20 paper? Yeah. No thanks, mate. And his right. career was ruined once he got disabled. Beneath this. Once he got disabled, his career was ruined. Yeah. Okay. He said, I've turned down the money because it's an insult. The models alone are worth over £1,000. But there were watches as well. A television set... And the word processor. A couple of things to comment on that. He could just make up what was there, yeah? But a word processor... Um, that kind of date... <laughs> sorry, that kind of date is how old this thing must have been. A word processor. It's like an Amstrad emailer plus. <laughs> no one in yeah, a million... Yeah, 63 in there. And he said, no one in a million years would throw away mint boxed special edition models I mean this would be like somebody coming and clearing out all my Star Wars stuff does you say what I know this is really this is going to sound really geeky and I am a geek I'm not going to does it say what models they were who they were made by do you know you, if it's someone like Basic Loke these would have been worth yeah I'm sure are you into model railways you can't be after what you said about the people earlier 
I do actually have a model railway. What? Do you not know this? No, but then why were you why were you ripping people who had them apart and calling them losers? Because because you hate they yourself, are. <laughs> and you're including yourself in that. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, I, 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 I will hang all my hands. I didn't know this. Yeah. I, it's in a box. I haven't. I haven't got it. I've, it's a model railway. I've got an, an engage model railway. Yeah. Engage. Yeah. Model. Where is it? It's in my bed at the moment. In where you live in, you brought it with you. Yeah, it's in Crystal Palace. But why would you have brought it with you? You were never going to set it up. No, but it tra- well, all my stuff is in is in my house. Please don't burgle me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's because uh, yeah, they're going to burgle you for your shitty model railway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I moved out, maybe we could take a picture of that and put it on Facebook. I'm willing to get Let, out. Let's get it. And the model railway. Why don't I come over and we'll build it? Um, it, I need to do some repairs to the engine. I've got two in- engines that need to be repaired. I've also got a Fleischmann from Germany. A what? A Fleischmann. So you are, so you're a proper collector. Right? Yeah, not no. This isn't this isn't for comedy effect. I've actually got a model railway. But this isn't like sorry to mention this. Like when you told me that you collected Punisher comics, but you've only got like twenty when there are hundreds. Well, I was collecting them at the time, right? <laughs> and you were collecting model railways at the time, and that's why you have two. Uh, yeah, but I know I, I I haven't collected it for years, and it is just in the box under the bed. But I do actually have a model railway. <laughs> Just carry on. An LNQ spokesman said, a London Quadrant housing spokesman said, the contractors who emptied the shed knocked on residents' doors to check everyone had taken their belongings. Although the content of the shed has been disposed of, we agreed to speak with all the contractors to see if we can find out what items they removed in confirmance with Mr Johnson. So basically what's happened is they're saying, it's not our fault because we went round and did a quick knock on everyone's doors to see. And so because he was probably on the carsy or stuck in the bath, because he's got cerebral palsy and didn't get to the door, they just emptied the shed and chucked out all his stuff. That is out of order. I do feel bad because surely if you're looking through and saw these items, okay, maybe the word processor might, might have been a giveaway, but um, things like box models, you would have thought maybe this might have some sort of sen- sentimental significance to someone. Would you not? <laughs> well, yeah, you would. Yeah, it's really out of order. What I love though is his final comment here. The guy says, "I'm not aware of anything wrong with my bathroom, but they've offered to replace it." Anyway. <laughs> Rob, there's one comment, and it's kind of the whole reason I read this article, because I don't understand what it means. Right. I think it must be in relation to the picture of of Mr. Johnson. I've got no idea. <laughs> it's incredibly cryptic. I'm going to read it to you. Right. It's by Lukey Boy. Okay. He says, According to the boy in the film, Jerry Maguire, the human head weighs eight pounds. Clearly, this is not the case. <laughs> uh, Oh, I think... Is he saying that the people who threw away the model railways must be stupid? Uh, it's just occurred to me. Oh, did you think that? Okay. What well, did you think it meant? That they, it was something to do with Mr. Thingy's demeanour. But he hasn't got a small head. Or I don't no, know. that's what I mean. He hasn't got a small head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you see what I mean now? Then that, then that comment's really out of order. <laughs> yeah. But we'll report on it in last week. We, we can only speculate on that comment, right? I apologise if any offence that I might have caused to Mr. Johnson. Johnson. Okay, Rob. So right, we've come. Right, so we've come to the end of the podcast. We'll do what we normally do. Now we have to confess again. Look, let's let's just get down with this. We are. This is our seventh episode. We've recorded and uploaded six episodes. Yep. We haven't received. Any emails, apart from one from a work colleague of mine, on any stories. I don't want... We, I think we just have to open ourselves up to say we're just going to become increasingly desperate each week. We yeah. want your emails, because the whole part of this show is for this to become not just about me and Rob, but to become about people who listen to it. We want to know the stories. We know that there are people are downloading it in Iran. We know that there are people downloading it in China. Yeah. We know that there are people downloading it. Don't worry, they're not all fascist places that people download it. <laughs> Saudi Arabia, but there are places like Australia. North Korea. Uh, yeah, no, also Cuba. <laughs> no, we haven't had that. But we have had people downloading it you know, all over the UK, yeah. from places in America. And look, if you're listening to this in the lovely San Francisco, Va- you know, San Francisco somewhere or the San Fernando Valley, then please... You know, tell us about a local story that's happened in your area, which you know you think we would find amusing and that you found amusing, and email us the link because. And we do have a competition going. Do you want to remind people, Rob? Yeah, um, it's not really a competition. On episode it. six, we suggest we actually put ourselves on the line and said, if you send us a story that we we read out on, online, the first person who does the this. first person to do this, we will send them a signed card with one English pound sellotapes inside it, and that's is that to anywhere in the world. 
anywhere in the world we'll send it let's just do it won't you because we're going to have to pay we're going to have to pay 60p with the new rail charges for anyone in the UK so God knows how much it'll cost to send it elsewhere but yeah I think we have to be prepared okay yeah alright anywhere in the world any story that makes it the first story that we use on the podcast from a listener we will send them a card signed by both of us and one English pound sellotapes inside um uh, but of course, we'll have to get their address in order to be able to do yeah, that. Yeah, so you have to include who you are and also... And, and oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to do it. If you're going to just, just submit a story, don't put the point in your address. But if you're the first person to get us that story and we decide to include it, then we'll write back to you and ask you for yeah. your address. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm quite a desperate man anyway. So I'd like to say, please, please send us an email. Um, I need something to, to make my life worth living. Um, moving on, Rob, let's give out the email. Now, yes. I want you to, to do it in the phonetic alphabet, and then you're going to set me my challenge to do it in the Alex alphabet. Okay, so can you tell people how to spell... So our email is local anesth- uh, sorry, uh, localanesthetichpodcast at gmail.com. Obviously, local and podcast are email- easy to spell, but anesthetic, will you spell it using the phonetic alphabet, Rob? Yeah, it's Alpha November Alpha Echo Sierra Tango Hotel Echo Tango India Charlie. So that was it. That's that's the podcast. I'd also say try and no, find hang on, some... Rob, I'm doing it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just another plug. Yeah. For the Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. Please like us. You can leave comments on there. You can send us messages. If that's what you prefer to do, do that. And we'd love to hear from you. Yes. Right. Your challenge. So I've got to do anaesthetic. I'm doing it in my version of the alphabet, and you're going to set me a challenge. What theme have I got to do it with? Countries. Pardon? Countries? Yep. <laughs> okay. America. Nepal. America. Estonia. Slovakia. Turkey. Hungary. Estonia. Turkey. Iceland, Canada. Very good. Thank you. Very impressive. Is Nepal a country? Yes. Is, is it? it? No. Is Nepal a... I think it's a... Uh... Okay, send me a... name something else. Name another thing. Are you, are you, you can start again. No, I'm not going to do countries. You just give me another thing. Okay. Um, let's think. Um, colours. Colours? Colours, yeah. Not easy. Apricot. Good start. Noir. Is that a colour? Yeah. French for black. Oh, yeah. Apricot. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, Please uh, tune in next week. God bless to everybody out there. Have a great week, and uh, we'll we'll speak to you next week. (laughs)